Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler with my co-host, Matt Sorensen, and welcome. I know we have many regular listeners. We appreciate you tuning in today, and for all of you new listeners, this is all about building wealth, saving taxes, protecting our assets, better living the American dream, and uh, I mean, we try to cover it all. I, I guess, Matt, we could even cover March Madness today. I, how's your bracket coming? Oh, and I've got that on March here. Madness. I don't even know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not ready that for again. It. We got <laughs> not ready for uh, March Madness. Yeah, but you know, I'm happy to say some of my teams, University of Utah, University of Maryland, are actually going to make the tournament this year. Last year, I didn't have either team in, and that was just you know that was disappointing because you know when I was in law school, University of Maryland won the tournament. I wasn't on the team, but, you know, we won. Uh, and listeners, if you had to know how many times I've had to hear that statement, it's, you know, I'm, it gets worse and worse every year that goes by. Matt Sorensen <laughs> has to remind us about Maryland and the national championship, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I use that same joke well, every time, too. So Yeah, it's good. Well... Well, it's an exciting time. Well, th- thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. We've got an amazing guest. We're really excited about Michael Neal joining us, a, an international uh, transformative coach. And, and he really teaches business owners how to take their business to the next level and how your mindset plays a big role in your success. So we're going to be talking to him at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we've got a lot to cover today, a lot, lots of good stuff. And, I mean, we are just a few episodes away from launching the new show, intro, title, website. Oh, it's going to be amazing. So we're just we are so close. It's it's going to it's going to be close. Uh, we're on the precipice, as they say. We're, on the we're about to yeah. summit the mountain. Yep. And we're we're going to have some cool stuff. The new the new show will have some giveaways. We're going to have some some uh, kind of uh, questions, puzzlers, you know, sort of thing. Uh, we we just want to get you guys more involved that are listening to the show live and uh, even get better and bigger guests. It's going to be good. Yeah, it'll be exciting. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Yeah. So until then, it's uh, poor Matt has to be on the Mark Kohler show. And it, so it's – it's uh, but, <laughs> but it'll, okay. it'll – uh, yeah, There's worse yeah. gigs out there. That's right. That's right. So, Matt, um, before we jump to our tips, I mean, uh, what's been in the news? I, I think you've uh, – you're, yeah, you're so one we of got, our new uh, features. Yeah. yeah, this is, you know, we're trying to roll this out a little early, give you some ideas of what we're going to be doing on the new show, but we're going to talk about what's in the news. Uh, I read a really interesting article two weeks ago. I wrote a blog article on it. Um, there's a lot of uh, articles that were written in financial publications about a study that Fidelity Investments did talking about the growth in the 401k millionaire club and how. Um, as recently, Fidelity Investments put out some data on their 13 million 401k clients. So, you know, there's 13 million people that have a 401k with Fidelity Investments, and uh, they did some analysis on their data and found that they have 72,000 people who have one million dollars or more in their 401k account, and this is twice as as many had. You know, this has doubled since 2012, and is five times as many as 2004. So we've seen a significant growth in people having large 401ks. Now, obviously, investment returns play a part of that, and that's you know uh, certainly critical and much talked about, and we certainly talk about um, how to invest on our show and what are you investing in and things like that. But what I found really interesting uh, 
from the article is some of the data they pulled about common characteristics of these people who have million-dollar 401ks. So I'm, and wouldn't you like to know what these people are doing to get a million dollars in their 401k? I, I, I want to know. I'm raising my hand over here. And I, I would have to think, too, that investors that are in a self-directed custodian's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. the, the ratio has to even be higher. This is fidelity, where people are just doing their normal matching with an employer. They can't yep. – most people aren't self-directing in fidelity. So this – their numbers are probably even lower. Right, they're, they're kind of on the slow growth path, really, you know, investing in mutual funds for the most part. And that was the, the uh, majority of the investments of these people were in mutual funds. So, But um, I think what was really interesting from this article, though, was how they got there in terms of putting money into the account. And I think that is something a little bit overlooked. I spend so much time consulting with clients about their investments from their retirement accounts particularly self-directed investments in real estate or startup companies or you know, just other alternative investments that have greater return p- potential. And obviously you want to be investing well. That's, you know, that's going to get you to the finish line quickly. But um, you need to be able to save and contribute. And that is the key from this data that was pulled by Fidelity of the common characteristics. They didn't really have common characteristics in terms of investments, but the most common characteristics they had were three things. One, they always maximize the employee contribution they can make. So, you know, right now for 401ks, you can put up to $18,000 into a 401k if you have a 401k and and to maximize your contribution. If you're over 50, you can put in another $5,000. The second common characteristic, they always save for the long term. They don't miss years of contributing. They're always contributing and saving for the long term. So they make it a priority to get their contributions in every year. And then third, the majority of people who had million-dollar 401ks were over the age of 50. Now, this obviously is those they've been putting money in over time and being able to get investment returns over time, so that's not surprising. But I thought what was surprising is even those who have million-dollar 401ks, they continue to maximize contributions over age 50 and to use the catch-up contribution, um, which a lot of people, you know, when you're over age 50 in a 401k, you can put an extra five grand in per year. Actually, it's an additional $6,000 now, excuse me. But you can put an additional $6,000 in per year, and that's a really um, big perk. Now, these people certainly aren't catching up. They're frankly already ahead. But they've gotten the mindset of, I want to get as much money in and contribute as much as I can. And I think the... the um, what I talked about in my article is I think a lot of times people, when they think about their retirement account, think of, I just need to hit a couple home runs. Um, but they don't get enough players on the field. They're not getting enough at-bats, so to speak. Um, and they're not willing to just score runs by hitting base hits. And that's where I think if you can contribute money to the retirement account, get, in, get enough men on the field, so to speak, um, you're going to have much more success and opportunity to make good investment returns. Um, you know, rather than contributing a little bit here or missing years of contribution. So those are the three common characteristics I thought really insightful and interesting to see that just even in the past uh, two years of this data that, that the 401k Millionaire Club has doubled. Well, very interesting. Yeah, it's uh, the 401k and how its growth uh, is changing people's lives. Exciting. So, uh very interesting. Well, and again, I think those that are self-directing are going to be, if they can adopt those principles as well as get a better rate of return, it'll even be, even be better. And and there's nothing wrong with investing in both with both methods. Um, well, talking in the news too, I, I guess uh, locally here we've got a little announcement. We're excited about our event on the 28th of this month. So I'd like to let everybody know here in Irvine. Uh, those that are can make the trip, it's beautiful weather right now. If you want to get out of the snow, jump on a quick southwest flight and head over here. Even JetBlue comes in here to uh, Long Beach. But we're going to be at the Irvine Marriott uh, just 10 days from now, and it's going to be a full-day workshop, which will also be uh, a webcast. 
So for those that can't make it, I'll mention that in just a moment. But you can come here live a couple hundred dollars. I think it's $199. You get lunch. We're going to have a breakout session, panel at lunch, and very engaged conversation. I'll be speaking for a couple hours. Your one and only Matt Sorensen will be there for a couple hours. And then Kendall Stock <laughs> uh, is going to be bringing it all together with some real estate strategies. And here's the cool part, too. We're going to have several vendors there, clients of ours that we've worked with for years, that have rental real estate inventory around the country available. Some no money down properties, some uh, uh, cash flow returning properties that in different markets around the country. So this is a great place to get inventory, get your tax update for the year. Matt, what are you going to be covering too? I guess, I, what would you like to say about the event? Yeah, so this is Saturday, March 28th. It's a Saturday, you know, so um, great way to spend the Saturday, come get some education. I'm going to be speaking about um, some of the cutting-edge strategies on self-directing your IRA or 401k. I'm going to talk about the rules, you know, but um, what I'm going to spend the second part of my presentation on is some of the strategies I've noticed of clients of mine that are really cool strategies on how to use your retirement plan and get significant returns in your retirement plan. And uh, so I'm going to get some practical applications in for clients that I haven't really presented before, but um, I've been keeping notes of what, my smart clients that have lots of money in their retirement accounts do. And just, you know, on that 401k millionaire club, you know, I have like, I have, I've had clients that have 10 million plus Roth IRAs that I've talked to, you know, and oh, advised them about. Geez. And so I'm going to be talking a little bit about what those people are doing. Um, and I think it'll be interesting and insightful for people to come and attend and learn. $10 million in a Roth. Man, I want yeah, to hear what, what they're doing. $14 million. Yeah. Last month, the client, I'm like, Oh. oh, unbelievable. Well, um, there, and then also uh, for those listeners around the country that want to tune in live, and everybody gets a recording of this event too. If you listen live or you come out in person, you get a copy of the recording, but the, you can watch it live for 99 bucks and watch from your computer, ask questions throughout the day through your computer. If you only can catch part of the uh, uh, workshop, that's fine. It's going to be March Madness. You may be watching a little basketball and then flipping over, watching the workshop. That's great. Um, but if, if you want to sign up, it's on the newsletter, but I'll just mention it now and then we'll move on, is retsummit.com. That's uh, R-E-T, as in uh, Real Estate and Tax Summit, uh, com. So go check it out, and you can sign up now. There are, there's a discount for the first uh, for the next day or two for the live attendees. You get 25 bucks off, and that ends in just a couple of days. So if you want to uh, sign up right away, please come. It's going to be great. Okay. So man, gosh, off on all these tangents. Now before we get to the tax tip, uh, we've got a legal tip here. Our legal tipster, um, Matt. Do you know who's coming out today? Yeah, we got Jim. Burgesson, you know, from the uh, great state of Utah, who will be joining us. Um, I'm sure Jeremy's got a very insightful tip, right, Jeremy? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure it is. I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to make sure that it is, that it is somewhat insightful at least. And I did want to say that when I was at law school at the University of Denver, they won the hockey national championship. So, you know, oh. national champion, championships just follow me and and uh, and Matt. So I yeah that that that's all I have. What to did say. your Although, law school win, Mark? Yeah, uh, uh, we won uh, the moot court competition because we actually <laughs> focused on our uh, education as lawyers. So we were we I don't oh. know what they were doing in sports. We were we had our noses in the books. So that's that's uh, what we were doing. Yeah. All right. Well, that that well that's done. Good. Good BYU back. went BYU went one in twenty six my freshman year of college in basketball. So I, I don't know what that means. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you weren't on the team. That was our problem. It, that's exactly right. Anyway, I, I did want to I did want to talk uh, with you briefly about a client issue that I had actually yesterday. I had somebody come in here locally that they they are starting up an ATV rental business. So something with you know really no liability, real low risk, right? An ATV yeah, rental totally. business. Uh, right. But anyway, yeah. he, he sole proprietorship. Well, he he was trying to figure out how to how to structure it. He already has an LLC, and that LLC, he said, I've already got an LLC, and I asked him, well, what's in the LLC? He said, I've got a piece of commercial real estate, I've got a piece of residential rental real estate, and I've got some some raw land. 
and he said, I asked him about the equity. He said, well, when I add it all up between the three pieces of property, I've got about $150,000 in equity in those three properties. And he said, what I want to do, what I think makes the most sense, I've been looking around, what I think makes the most sense is to set up a DBA uh, owned by this LLC and run my ATV rental business through this DBA that's owned by my LLC. Um, as you guys can imagine, I had some reasons for him why why that wouldn't make much sense. And I think the the main, you know, what I told him was, look, you, this rental business, this ATV rental business, is going to have a lot of potential liabilities, and he knew that. Um, and I don't want your pieces of real estate that you own to be at stake if your ATV business gets sued. Having a DBA that that um, you run your ATV rental business out of isn't going to provide that DBA. And this is kind of my tip, and I think most people, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners know this, but that DBA is not a separate legal entity. It doesn't provide any additional limited liability or asset protection. Um, so I suggested to him that we. So you talked him out of the DBA. I talked him out of the DBA, um, and and we we ended up setting up a, a separate um, entity that's going to be. There's actually tax reasons to have it be an, an S corporation or, or an entity taxed as an S corporation, but have a separate entity um, to be the entity that runs that business, so that those so his personal uh, assets that aren't at stake if that our ATV rental business ever gets sued, and neither are the assets that are owned by that separate LLC. So when wow. the ATV rental get, company gets sued, um, that plaintiff's going to be able to go after that entity itself, and the real estate that he already has in his existing LLC will be separate. Correct. Completely separate, owned by a separate entity. They're going to have to sue the entity that runs the ATV uh, rental company, which is this new entity that we set up that you know is going to probably own uh, a couple ATVs to start with. But other than that, it's going to have very few assets, and there's going to be very little a, little a potential plaintiff can get at. Well, and I, I just want to throw this out, too, I, so it's not confusing for some of our listeners, because I was just teaching a class last night where I said you can run multiple businesses through one entity. Um, but I think there's a distinction here. The entity that this uh, new business owner was wanting to use also held their valuable assets. So if we put that line down the middle of the paper or the whiteboard and we keep our rentals and our real estate and our investments on the right-hand side and not mix those types of high-risk businesses and those entities – that's that's our advice for this particular small business owner. But I like, uh, but I still like the idea of having a, maybe a shell company that could run two or three different businesses that really doesn't own anything. What are your thoughts on that, Jerem? Could have be kept two or three businesses in an operational entity and and maybe been okay? Right. Let's say he rents ATVs and he's also you know I don't know a real estate agent. He could run those both out of this this new entity. Um, because they're both separate. Neither one is going to have a whole lot of, of assets to, to be at stake. And, and so that's going to keep those liabilities of these operational businesses that he's running separate from um, the, the assets that are in his LLC and the assets that he may own in his own name, like his personal residence. No, I like it. Very good. All right. Well, thanks, Jam, from the uh – the University of Denver, the 2007 National Hockey Champions. What year was that? 2005. It was my first year of law school. Okay, oh. 2005. All right. Yep. Well, that's a that's an amazing pedigree that you can just you should have something up on the wall on that. So. <laughs> now I did I did hear you know just with the sports motif a little bit today I did hear Tim Tebow is uh, working out with the Philadelphia Eagles now as a Denver fan. And uh, I think you are a closet Tebow fan. Is that correct? So how do you I, feel I, about this? I have nothing bad to say about Tim Tebow. The man took us to the playoffs, and then we we let him go, and we dumped him for Peyton Manning. So uh, I have nothing bad to say. I hope I, I wish Tim Tebow the best. I don't think it's going to end well, but I wish him the best. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Jerem, for joining us. Uh, it's Jerem Bergeson and giving us uh, another amazing legal tip. Don't commingle different business operations in the same entity as your assets. The end. See, Jerem, you could have done it that fast. Was that easy? I could have. But, yeah, <laughs> but your story was nice. <laughs> All right. We'll see you, Jerem. Catch you in a few weeks. 
Okay, we'll see you. Thanks. All right. Well, folks, before we get over to our tax tip, in fact, I think we're going to save our tax tip for the end of the day. And I will point out, it does involve Leonard Nimoy and Star Trek. So if you've had a chance to read my – yeah, there's your teaser. So we've got, (laughs) I think, a really uh, uh, fun and interesting tip uh, here at the end of the show. We'll talk about some tax planning that could help all of you. But uh, we've got our special guest here on the line. So, Matt, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce him. Are you okay with that? Yeah, sounds great. Let's bring him on. All right. Okay. So we've got Michael Neal, a, gosh, a best-selling author of several books and programs. He's uh, spent 25 years as a coach, advisor, friend, mentor, uh, a creative spark plug to celebrities. I want to hear what that's all about. I I did see Justin Bieber giving a a, a news – conference yesterday it did not bode well for him he's still growing up but anyway so um, he needs a new spark plug maybe (laughs) but anyway he is oftentimes called the super coach and his most recent book the inside out revelation has gotten rave reviews on amazon and it's uh all about transforming your mindset and uh, finding more success in your life and so uh we're just grateful to have him here with us so i guess without any further ado michael welcome to the show Thanks very much. I, I actually think your title might be better than mine. I, I called it Inside Out Revolution, but Inside Out Revelation sounds all mystical and stuff. I like that. <laughs> did I say revelation? <laughs> you did. I, I kind of liked it, though. <laughs> well, well, we better know. reveal you, you, some stuff today, so we want some revelation today. <laughs> I am sorry about that, Michael. A little Freudian slip there, you know. Yeah, I was having a spiritual moment over here. So. Well, at least you didn't yeah. introduce me as your dear, dear show business friend. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh well, this is um, gosh, and it's nice to have. Uh, I understand also a radio show host yourself. Tell us about your radio show. What do you What do you talk about on your show? This is we're. This is an honor to have you over here with us. You know, it's really funny. I, I apparently it's my tenth anniversary. I just did some interviews about the fact that we've been on air for ten years, and I I I remember literally when I started the show, thinking that I could go maybe three months. I, I knew I could do six weeks. I thought maybe 12 weeks I would still have something to say. And uh, and I always promised myself as well that I would get off air when I ran out of things to say. And it just hasn't happened yet. So are you are you a lawyer? On, are you, did you go to uh, Lost Radio? Lostradio.com. And it's, we, it really is just a place to uh, to explore the human potential. And that's uh, that's what I've been doing for 10 years and hopefully we'll be doing for another 10. Oh, that's awesome. And I think I, I was trying to uh, make light of your uh, gift of gab, and I cut you off, I, I, I cut you off on telling us where, where can folks listen to your radio show, you said? Yeah, hayhouseradio.com. It's, um, it, as my mother said when she first listened to it, if you get past the commercials, the shows are great. <laughs> well, there you go. See, we're, we're, we're outside of the commercial realm. No one's wanting to pay to, to have commercials on our show yet. You know, we're we're only in our seventh year, so it'll it'll come eventually. So, well, when you're an old timer like me, Sonny, you'll you'll see, you'll see. It's, it, by the way, I also do just have to have to give you the worst bracket ever. But but my final four is going to be SMU versus Oregon and Kentucky versus Oklahoma, purely because it's been so long since I could say anything nice about my alma mater, SMU, and anything sporting. So I just have to get them in there. <laughs> Uh, thanks for sharing. I, I, it's regrettable you have Kentucky in your Final Four. That's always the the buzz kill for me to have Kentucky in there. But uh, I'm sorry for those that bleed blue. It's uh, oh, but yeah. Well, well, well I, I just figured I had to make a concession to reality somewhere along the line. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. Well, well th- now this most recent book you've written. Um, is certainly gotten uh, fantastic reviews and transforming ourselves, I think is a common challenge. All of us are always looking to reinvent ourselves and, and be better. We, at least we hope we are. We're trying to change and become better, but change is hard. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask right off the bat, when you're out there preaching change, do you feel ever feel like you're fighting an uphill battle? Cause uh, a lot of people aren't comfortable with change. Well, I, see, I agree. Like, if if I w- if change was the operative uh, element, if change was the key to a better life, we'd all be up against it. Because there's an old saying by Arthur Kessler that the you know the only people that like change are wet babies. 
And it's, it's true. We get very comfortable. But for me, one of the reasons that I talk about transformation versus change is, is change is like if you're inside your egg and, and you don't like the, the look of the inside of the egg, you might you know, put up nicer drapes or give yourself a more comfortable bed while you're waiting. That's change. Transformation is hatching. It's actually stepping out into a, a bigger world. And it's actually the bigger world that we're designed to operate inside of. So we actually find life easier when we transform than we do before. And so that makes it a little more appealing than change where, you know, change is like, oh, God, yeah, I guess it would be a little better, but is it really worth the, you know, we're, we're, we're actually talking in transformation. It's like the old joke about the two caterpillars are walking along the street and they see a butterfly and one of them says to the other one, you're never going to get me up in one of those things, right? <laughs> From where we are, it looks ridiculous that life could be, so much bigger, so much more fulfilling, so much richer, so much less scary than it probably is now. But actually, it's a natural evolution. So change takes willpower. Transformation is what wants to happen anyways. It takes getting out of the way of it. So, Michael, this is Matt Sorensen here. Thanks for being on the show today. Um, what's, I mean, what's the difference in someone, you know, from you know, putting up drapes inside the eggshell versus breaking out. I mean, how do you, I mean, people want to transform their lives for the better. What's the, what's the difference maker from someone transforming themselves or improving themselves versus, you know, change, the, staying the inside the shell, is, so to speak? It, it's always the same thing, um, which on the one hand should make it easier, but it's something that's a little bit intangible and it's insight. So somebody sees something new for themselves about life, about who they are, about how, how things work. And, and it's, I, I, I used to liken it to uh, a shortcut. So if, if you've been taking the same route to work every day and it takes you an hour and it's kind of traffic and awful, and, and, and somebody shows you a shortcut that takes five minutes and you try it and it really does take five minutes, it doesn't matter if you've been going the long way for 30 years. As soon as you see a better way, you'll take it. But you have to actually see it. It's no good kind of trying to convince yourself there's a better way. You've got to see it. And so whenever somebody has an insight into a better way, automatically the change happens. There's no resistance. There's no 30-day reprogramming period necessary. All that's necessary is insight. The only downside to that is there's no way to guarantee an insight. I think this almost yeah. relates um, to one of your one of your other books, which I, I know, and you've written so many. And as a coach yourself, I, not to jump around a little bit, but uh, your book, Super Coach: uh, Ten Secrets to Transform Anyone's Life. Um, I think you're you're talking a little about about that too. When you're helping create a vision for someone, and you're saying, "Hey, this could be the better route. This could be the better way." Um, it makes your job easier as a super coach if you can give them that that vision of what the future could be. Because once they catch that vision, it, they're they're driven. They're ready to go. And and I guess that's uh, it, like you're saying that that transformation. You have to see what the future could hold. Or else you're not going to really want but to. Do I it. think I think it's incredibly helpful. There, there's a, a saying I, I made up, but put in one of my books that where where there's a way, there's a will. Like when we can actually see the finish line, when we can see something's possible, we suddenly find the energy to do it. It's why runners always get that extra kick when the finish line is in sight. And so there's no question about it. If, if you can start to catch a glimpse of what life could be like without the underlying fear without the underlying insecurity, or at least the levels of it. We're all human. We're all going to have some insecurity and, and fear, but, but it doesn't have to be running the show. And I think particularly from what I was, I was listening to you guys from the top of the show, and particularly when I'm talking with people about money, and I, I work with billionaires and I work with people, I've worked with people in, in prison and, and, and uh, you know, homeless. So it's, it, there, there's, a, there's a range. But it's always back to when fear and greed are running the show, people make terrible decisions around, around money. When fear and greed are, are in abeyance, when they're not active, when we are in our sort of better selves, uh, 
we make good decisions around money. And regardless of the strategies, I think it's great that you guys share the strategies, but if I'm all up in my head kind of scared that I'm, I'm going to lose it and, or, or thinking, ah, I can make ten times as much in half the time if I do it this way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ignore your strategies <laughs> or I'm going to pervert them and use them in a way that's totally not the intended way in service of my own fear and greed, and it's not going to work out. So before I can no. take advantage of great advice – I actually have to be in a state of mind where I can hear it. So for the business owner that's really down in the trenches, and I know you've coached, you, you give a lot of speeches to businesses and entrepreneurs, and um, it, it's so hard sometimes as an entrepreneur. And I feel this myself and when I'm out talking with others and some of you listening today. It's it's so hard to sometimes step back and see the forest. We're in the trees. Um, and we're really trying to make changes in our business to create more sales, create a little more freedom um, so that we can do the things we enjoy. <laughs> Usually that's the, the, uh, the business is a, ends to a, a means to an end so I can do what, find that time to be with my family or my hobbies. But um, uh, how, what, what types of things can a business owner do to break out of that shell? What, what are some things that they could start doing on a practical basis every day um, is it those positive affirmations? Is it creating a mission statement and reading it to yourself in the day? What are some things you suggest practically that people can do to break out? Well, I think the most practical thing that anyone – and, you know, this, this is true for anyone, but it's particularly true for entrepreneurs because we tend to our, – our minds tend to race a mile a minute, right? We tend to be – you know, trying to do 10 things, uh, you know, and then have three others going in the background just in case. And it's to, it's to settle down. I used to say to slow down, but that was so – I'd see the fear in entrepreneurs' eyes when I said slow down. So, so, so I switched it to settle down. When, when you settle down in your, in your head first, and then, and then you can maybe settle down a little bit in your schedule – it's amazing how quickly wisdom comes to the fore, common sense even. And it just you just suddenly, it becomes obvious how many of the things you're doing are not worth doing. And how a few of the things that you maybe are only sort of doing would be really worth doing a lot of, would be really worth refocusing on. And they're different things for each person. So, so that's why I don't give strategies in my work because I'm dealing with such a wide range of people. I, I, I share principles that are going to be true for everybody. And so one of those principles is that the less you have on your mind, the smarter you are. Now, that's not the way most of us think about it because we go, oh, I got to think about it. I got to think about it. I got to think about it. No, all of that noise is like shaking up a snow globe and then trying to look through it and to, to see the way forward. It's actually when you let it settle down. And some people like to meditate. I, I, I'm not a meditator, but I, I go for, I walk my dogs, right? I, sometimes I just stick ESPN on and that does it. But it's just about recognizing when you settle down in your head, your wisdom naturally comes up. Your common sense comes to the fore. You're going to start making better decisions. You're going to start seeing clearer and it's going to get easier. And, and what's neat just as we're on a sort of a college basketball theme, one of my favorite lines from Coach John Wooden was, be quick, but don't hurry. And so it's not that you've got to stop doing a lot. It's not that you've got to not grow your business or that you have to grow it slowly. It's you've got to stop hurrying. You've got to find that quiet place inside to be quick from. And once you do, once you start to tap into that part of yourself – on a regular basis, it's genuinely shocking how quickly things can change. Michael, thanks. This is a I really appreciate. It. This is a great insight, I think. And I'm I'm thinking of myself as you're talking right now, thinking, God, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. Sometimes I feel, you know, you're on the treadmill and you don't, you know, it's like you're just doing, you know, it's like oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, because I just do this and I do that, but. Um, not really thinking yeah, well, what, what really matters. 
Well, Matt, let me say this too before you ask your question. I, it's kind of funny. The, the tone of our show has really gotten contemplative and slow. Sometimes, Michael, our show is just boom, 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 and we're hitting strategies and tips. And the way you've been uh, presenting this, I, 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 I can sense it. And Matt, too, we're both here just thinking. You know, what, what can I be doing? Yeah, <laughs> I got to slow down. <laughs> so our regular what listeners are like, what the crap are these guys doing? Are they smoking over there? What's going on? No, this is really good. I'm just waiting over here in deep. Think of it as an inspirational high. Yeah, there yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> well, I want to go ask ahead, you Matt, maybe sorry. if you could uh, give us an example, someone maybe you've worked with that, um, you know, maybe has uh, gone through this issue of what you're talking about. You know, we're doing a lot of things, but we may not be doing the critical things or the or the, the really important things. Um, do you have any examples or anything like that, someone you've worked yeah, with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, 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 um, there's an entrepreneur I was working with uh, last year. She, she was just funny because she was she was almost like if you were going to write a a, a stereotype of the hyped up entrepreneur, you know, literally. Yeah. Each day, I had to stop responding to emails because you know there'd be a hey, I've just launched this new business. Hey, I've just bought this URL. Hey, what do you think about this? And and, <laughs> and now she was also very successful because she was willing to do what I think is the key thing for an entrepreneur to do, which was to actually put a few of the ideas into action and put them out there. And so she had done very well, and she had a very successful business already running that, uh, you know, she was hiring me because she wanted to kind of look at selling it. But but what happened to her as she settled down, the first thing that actually happened was all these problems I didn't know she'd been having in her personal life cleared up. So she'd tell me, oh, hey, by the way, um, I'm not scared of driving on highways anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, good. I didn't know you were, but I'm good. <laughs> oh, hey, you know, I, I, I was able to do such and such without well, medication. And, hey, you know, I, I know all my kids' names now. And, hey, you know, and, and so it was all this kind of personal stuff that, that, that got noticed first. But then what started to happen is it impacted the way that she was approaching the business. Because, of course, when the leader is less hyped, the, the people, like you guys, like we're, we're talking, we're all a bit less hyped than we were, which means that we're all open to better ideas, fresher thinking, more discernment. And so, of course, you make better decisions over time, and things are going to radically change. So what's kind of cool is on a business side, yeah, she, she was able to, to put a sale together for over a you know, million dollars for her business and you know, for the first businesses she launched, and she's got new projects going. But on the personal side, as she said, she said she's living a different life. And that's the cool thing is that we often think we, we have to choose. We have to either downshift and, and you know, leave the business world behind to have, a, to have a nice life with a kind of a richness of feeling. Or we've got to sacrifice that richness of feeling now, like you were saying, so that we can work really hard. And then if it works, then we get to relax later. Or, or like they've got at the gyms here in Southern California, you know, you can relax when you're dead. But, but actually, like, I don't know about you, but that does not sound like any definition of success I want to have anything to do with. You know, I would like a rich, meaningful quality of life on a daily basis while doing something that I really enjoy doing that makes a positive difference in the world and getting well rewarded for that. I'll take that one, please. And that one doesn't come from running faster or from running in more different directions at the same time. That one can only come from that deeper place inside us. And it's just, it's funny, it's always right there. <laughs> right? It's, it's never more than one thought away. But we are so practiced at running all over the place, trying to find something that's actually already sitting there inside you. Um, and you're uh, Mark, Mark Cole here again. Uh, great insights, Michael. Again, I'm just sitting here in a very contemplative uh, state of mind myself. And as I was um, going through your book, at the, near the end, you talk about the paradox of results and being able to analyze um, the change and, and are you really thriving and are you making getting the results you wanted. Could you explain what you mean by the paradox of results? Well, I think the thing is that we, we have this societal myth 
Right. My, the very first program I ever put out was called The Seven Myths of Success because it was, it was the first thing I saw was that we, we really bought into certain ideas at such a fundamental level that we never questioned them. And, and one of them is the idea that I'll be happy when I get what I want. And, and it doesn't stand up to 30 minutes of scrutiny, right? Go to Ralph's, right? go, to, go to a grocery store, go to any checkout stand and pick up the Celebrity Max. Okay, and then go back and look again next week. <laughs> and what's happened? Oh my God! Fall from grace, disaster, <gasps> fantastic. And 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 you just see this world where people are continually getting what we apparently all want, and their lives are going from 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 one comic misery to an occasional actual sad tragedy. And. And yet, we live our lives as if it'll be different for us, as if we'll be happy when we get what we want, because we want better stuff or more realistic stuff or less, less greedy stuff, whatever our story for it is. It's not our fault, right? We do it innocently. It's just that it, it doesn't actually work that way. Happiness is something we are born with. We are born with an innate well-being. Babies do not need to check their start portfolios to start cooing. Right? That feeling that we are born with, that feeling of all being well, that's always there. But we start to put more and more conditions on it as we grow up. And m many of those conditions are about results, that we have to get a certain result in order to be okay. The reason I call it the paradox of results is because it's so much easier to create results when you're not looking for them to make you okay. When they're just about the result and not an attempt to increase your well-being. So it, uh, you, the way I've said it in one of my other books is, it, it is happiness leads to success a hell of a lot more often than success leads to happiness. Because from that quieter place in you, as I've been saying, you just have more access to wisdom and common sense. You make better decisions, and those better decisions accumulated over time are going to bring you the results that you, you thought you needed, but you're, you're just going to get them from so much gentler a place inside you. Michael Neal, if you're just joining us on the show, this is Michael Neal. He's a best-selling author and transformative coach. If you have a question and you'd like to call in on the show, the guest call in number is 646 I want to just get back to your book, your um, uh, The Inside Out Revolution, if you don't mind. Um, that's not The Revelation, but uh, The Inside Out Revolution, that one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, now, are you out speaking on this book and the strategies? I just uh, am curious, of, um, you know, how you're out there. Yeah, uh, we do. Using I mean, we book. actually do a monthly thing in. Um, you, shut me up if I'm not supposed to plug. But we 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 happen to have this weekend in Santa Monica uh, a workshop. You can find it at supercoach.com where we're talking about problem solving and insight. Um, but we do. I, I, I speak in California, but I speak a lot in Europe. For some reason, this is really, really, really caught on in the UK and in Scandinavia. And um, so I'm doing a series of uh, business building workshops in uh, Norway and Denmark coming up. And um, so I just I go where I go where people are interested. But you know that's 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 also why I've got the radio show and things like that. So that uh, for me, this is such common sense once you see it like I did when I did a TED talk one of the things that got me kind of more known I did a TED talk called why aren't we awesomer and I was on one of the other guys sharing the stage was Bob Hurley who's you know phenomenally successful uh you know Hurley clothing and and he he, he and I got on and we both had brought our sons with us just for the experience and so we all went out to dinner and we were talking and I was asking him you know, the secret of his success. And he said, oh, I don't know. I'm Mr. Magoo, man. I just kind of keep doing what's in front of me and just kind of keeps working out. And, and and then he was asking me about me and he said, he said, look, I really enjoyed your TED Talk, but I hope you don't mind my saying, isn't that kind of obvious? Because what I was saying is that when we're deluded, <laughs> we do stupid things. And when we're less deluded, we do smarter things. And I said, well, it is, but it's only obvious when you see it. Well, and it's so common for all of us when we're so busy 
and we're in our daily grind, and we've got so many pressures coming at us that it's um, it's it's again it's hard to sit back and look at the trees and how should I really be evaluating success? Um, where am I deriving my happiness? And ask those those contemplative questions that a lot of us don't take time to do. And I and I liked how you said uh, slowing down and just um, thinking about where are my priorities and why do I care what everybody's doing on social media to judge my own happiness? I need to be looking at what's important to me. And uh, and it is obvious. Uh, actually, but, I actually boy. think Facebook. Sorry, sorry to jump in, but I think Facebook yeah. is actually a great barometer for how you're doing. Right. If you're in a pretty good state of mind, you'll go on Facebook and you'll have fun and you'll see stuff. And if you think of something to put put in, you'll put it in and it won't be a big deal. When you're caught up, Facebook is the most depressing place on earth. Right. (laughs) Facebook is the place to, to make yourself feel like an inadequate failure. And and one of the things that's really helped me over the years, and this just comes from having been in business for a long time, is that it's happened enough times where somebody who I was jealous of because of their public persona, even before Facebook, you know, people had these public images, who then reached out to me as a coach and said, hey, my business is about to go bankrupt or I'm suicidal. And, and, and these, these are literally, in some cases, people who I was thinking of quitting because they were doing so much better than me. And it, it really made me see that you, you can't compare your inside to someone else's outside. Because you have no idea, A, how much of what's being put out there is smoke and mirrors, which sadly a lot of it in the business world is. But B, ultimately, we, we get one crack at life, and it, it really is not, you know, I think I make the comment in Inside Out Revolution, nobody really wants their epitaph to read, here lies the fastest runner on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Let me take you back to your TED Talk. I'm, you know, I'm a little intrigued by that. Um, you t- the, the subject was, why aren't we awesomer? Yeah, that's that's sort of like been the underlying question. You, you know, I, I look at, the, I've been right, doing yeah. this, as I say, for 25 years now. And it's like given how everything else has advanced in terms of technology and science and, and all the books that are out there. I mean, I've, I've, I stopped counting at 3,000 books that I'd read on, on success and business and, and that pers- personal growth and that kind of topic. It occurred to me that if 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 all this stuff that was being shared was right, we should be freaking gods, right? We should be like Justice League of Heroes type type material. And we're just not. And so it, it turns out that there are some just pretty fundamental misunderstandings about how the mind works and how life works that, that stop us from even coming close to our potential. And that's that's what the the talk was exploring. Well, what an honor to be on, do it. I just wanted to interject too. I think uh, uh, what an honor to to give such a speech and uh, and uh, to be hanging out in that crowd. They're very <laughs> just amazing. Um, well, I so you said your website. Let's give it a plug, and we want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been phenomenal. I'm in deep thought myself, taking some notes here. Uh, but you said supercoach.com is uh, supercoach.com. Is it's my um, my playground on the web, and uh, there's tons of we we put fresh videos and and audios, and there's weekly tips, and I I, I it, it's one of those funny things where the great thing about having been in business long enough and it going well is you really can give a lot of stuff away because there's plenty of people who are paying for it. Yeah. Well, just phenomenal. We really appreciate you finding the time to come with us. Uh, a new book in the works. Uh, you, at your pace, you, every couple of years, you've been throwing one out. Is there anything uh, it, 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 we should be looking for? Well, there, there, no point looking for it yet because it's probably going to change titles. There's, there's actually two books, sort of parts two and three of the Inside Out trilogy. One of them we know is going to be called Creating the Impossible. It's based on a program that I run online every year um, that's just my favorite program. And then the other one right now is called The Priority, but I, my publishers have a little habit of convincing me that a different title would be better before things come out. So we'll see what it's called. But they'll be uh, one of them will be out next year. Well, 
good luck. Um, we again are. It's been an honor to have you on the show, and I I hope uh, uh, everyone can do do take a little bit more uh, proactive approach to transforming their own lives and catch a vision and slow down a little bit. Great, great comments. Thank you. No, it's been really fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Michael. Thanks. So with our uh, – gosh, what, what a, I'm, I'm all in this uh, – again, this uh, <laughs> thinking mode here. So let's jump back into some uh, tax tips here for our last 10 minutes if we could. And, yeah, you and got, your, try you got to, your Leonard Nimoy tax tip, you know, still dangling out there. That's right. I mean, I just uh, – for those that didn't uh, uh, know, and it's kind of a sad note, uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away about two and a half weeks ago. And as I talk about – in my blog, I, I guess I am a Trekkie of sorts. I my dad was a huge Star Trek fan, and I uh, loved to um, uh, sit down with him late at night and watch some Star Trek. And I had a chance to actually meet William Shat, uh, William Shatner face to face, and he was very gracious. And so I'm, you know, now I was not you know a, what, a Star Trek Shatner, conference. You, you got a signed hat from him, didn't you? Which you gave to That's me. That's true. That's right. I did. I got. All right. Got a we got proof here. of that. Yeah, and I actually got a picture with. Now, I was at a Trek conference uh, dressed up um, as Data, and so that's how I got to meet him. No, I'm just joking. I uh, was not at a Trek. <laughs> Somebody was going, "How did he meet William Shatner? Was he like at a Trekkie conference?" No, I was not. I'm not sliding any of you that may have gone to one of those space camp, you know, Trek conferences. But I, uh, no, I met him at a fundraiser in in L.A. and he signed a a picture for my dad too, who he was. Um, it had Parkinson's at the time, and my dad was so excited to get that uh, picture. He was always a big fan. But anyway, so Leonard Nimoy passed away, and uh, my today's article, maybe it was a stretch, but I was throwing it out there, <laughs> is we're talking about uniforms. And I was uh, saw that picture of uh, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy and um, uh, William Shatner in their Star Trek uniforms, and I know I get this question all the time. Matt, don't you? It's, how can I write off? My, uh, yeah, uh, my uniforms, clothing, it'd be be pretty sweet, right? Right. What about all these suits I buy? I wear them for work. Yeah, you you'd think we I should be able question. to write those off. I know. Yeah. Well, so what I did today, uh, well, late last night in my blog article, is I broke down what those um, uh, rules are when it comes to uh, the ability to write off your. Um, your clothing, um, and when you can write off your laundry. So I wanted to talk about both of those because they're really two um, separate topics, and they they can really um, uh, impact you. I, so let's maybe grab the low-hanging fruit. So Matt, as you know, when you're traveling with your suits, and yes, you're buying some nice mm-hmm. suits out there, is that you can go out and get laundry done and, on your suits while you're traveling, and your laundry is a deduction. So that's nice, right? You got to love yep, that. That's why I always do it at the hotel. Get it done there, on the road, expense. Yeah, there you go. Um, and and this is it could be of course dry cleaning. And this is when I'm in New York. I find this to be fairly affordable too, because on every block in New York, there's a uh, um, a dry cleaners, and you can run down from your building and drop the your, any of your dry cleaning off and cut your cost by two thirds rather than just doing it through the hotel too. So, I sometimes if I'm going to be somewhere for a few days, I'll uh, um, get in there and um, um, uh, take take a, a suit with me, and then I can get it laundered while I'm there. So, uh, not a big deal. So anyway, so folks, again, while you're traveling, your laundry is a write off. But when you're home, unless it's, it qualifies as a uniform. You cannot write off uh, the laundry or dry cleaning for your your clothing. So that brings us to what is a qualified uniform. So um, some people, uh, one of the first things, and I, I'm trying to pull up my blog here too. My website's been kind of slow here, and I want to get these actual three um, tests here uh, set forth here clearly. Some of you, uh, Matt, you may have my uh, three tips up there even quicker than I have, but I'm having a hard time pulling them up right now. So let's go to the second one. Uh, Let me work on the first one. Yeah. So the the second one is making sure that the clothing is distinctive um, or protective. Now, I think everybody out there knows that if you're buying a hard hat or steel-toed boots 
or an apron or scrubs. It's protective. You've got to wear it. So that's distinctive and protective. And so that's really um, easy uh, to generally write off as that protective. But the distinctive is where the logo comes in. So a logo is a, a, a wonderful way to start making your clothing distinctive. Now, Matt, I don't know. Have you logoed any of your yep, my God. suits? Oh, no. <laughs> no, i gotta, I got to get a KQS Lawyer's crest or something I can put on them maybe. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Something I think like we could that. start wearing those mustard orange uh, jackets everywhere we go. If Century 21 can do it, so can we. So. <laughs> but anyway, so the first thing Are is, they still is, doing is this is <laughs> I think they've got Yeah, I don't know. Um but if so test number 1, I'm in no particular order, you have to meet three tests. Number 1 is distinctive or protective. So be thinking about logoing your clothing and uh that is a great way of making that clothing distinctive or different from your other clothing. Now I got now, another Matt, test you for got, you. Yeah, throw down yep. another test for us here. All right, it's got to be required or essential. Required. I like it. Now, this is actually the easiest of the three tests because if, as the owner, you say and this is easy, a sole proprietor is actually qualify under this, is that if you require a certain uniform in your business and you're the president of the business, then you meet that test. So that's an easy one. That's Because you're going to say, I want all of our uh, employees to wear uh, a blue shirt and so if you have to wear this blue shirt, and, and then especially rule number two is it's distinctive, so you've got a logo on it, then any of those shirts that people buy, they're going to be a write-off. And the laundry for that clothing is a write-off. So that, see how it, can, it kind of snowballs. So, uh, so if you require it in your business, so that one's easy because you've got to require it. But, Matt, it's that third one that's hard, isn't it? Yeah, you got suitable for everyday wear. So we have last suitable for everyday wear. Yeah, and this is and one where there was actually. Oh, go ahead, man. Yeah, it looks like you got the the dentist office example of an office manager for a dentist office was allowed to deduct both the cost and laundry expenses of uniforms. Um, the dental office uniforms were not a replacement for ordinary clothing. So, you know, while you could wear that clothing outside for ordinary wear, um, it's not likely you would. Yeah, and this is the subjective analysis that is probably the toughest because you make it a requirement, you make it it's protective or distinctive, and you throw a logo on it. Now the IRS is going to say, and really this is where the IRS is like, did you get were you a hog? Did you get too aggressive here? If you're trying to write off too much, this is where they're going to get upset. So this is the one where you don't want to be too aggressive and because it's subjective. And if you really tick off the IRS, they're going to hang their hat on this one. But basically it's saying, would you wear it outside of work? One of the best ways to, to meet this test is don't wear it unless you're at work. Um, then you can say, no, I never wear this. I only wear it to commute to the office, and when I get home, I take it off. Uh, but if you're going to run around the house in your dental office uniform, you're, you're going to have a hard time. Now, I don't think the IRS has surveillance set up in your house, but – you want to be able to say it's suitable for everyday wear, but I don't wear it for everyday wear because I wouldn't want to, and I wouldn't because it's 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 too unique for that business. Um, but I did throw in one other quick – now, those are the three tests. So as long as you're not using it for everyday wear, it's distinctive or protective, and then number three, it's required or essential at work, you've got those three tests. You can write off that clothing as an expense in your business and write off the laundry for that expense. But uh, I did throw in a little extra uh, point here. This is kind of the uh, Liberace um, uh, section, is that you could even write off costumes, wigs, makeup. And I get a lot of clients, and we're here in the OC, Matt, you know, kind of the bedroom community for Yeah, you got Hollywood right yeah. up north. Right up north, and you know, I watch you the got news. Real Housewives of uh, Orange County, right by Real Housewives. Yeah, so people want to write off their skincare, costumes, and wigs, but you can only do that if you're a qualified performing artist, meaning you had at least two jobs during the year getting paid for being an artist of some sort, and the cl and then your makeup and wigs could be a write off. But anyway, folks, you got to read the article. It's kind of fun, nice little tax tips. Some of you may be able to write some of the stuff stuff off, and could be exciting. I like it, Mark. You know, you delivered. You got that teaser out, and you came, and you and you brought it. You know, <laughs> brought it home. Brought it home. Well, and if, and if I you thought want with to watch the, the uniform, though, with the uniform, you could have gone March Madness, dude. 
I mean, you went back to Star Trek, though. But, you know, either one. Either one. There we go. Well, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody listening here today. Um, I'm so grateful to have a wonderful co-host like Matt Sorensen. And just in the next few weeks, we're going to be launching the new show uh, with some new features and aspects and giveaways, a new show title, a uh, new show jingle. And just buckle up, folks. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week uh, for another show. On We have a topic lined up that you're going to love, so please check it out next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Until then, keep living the American dream.